Hi there! This is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the Word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's Word and the ministry of the Spirit. Previous song. Uh, the Bible says that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And there's a picture that came to my mind when we were singing the previous song. I don't know now, it has left the... Yes. Um, and the picture that came to mind is, so he is lifted up and he's drawing us onto him. And as he draws us onto him, the higher you go in altitude, the weight, the things that are weightier begins to break off you. So he begins to break off you the higher you go. As you go higher, as he draws you up, as he draws you up, those things begin to leave you. Every form of limitation, every form of, you know, on Thursday, Dami was talking about addictions and patterns that you... you it's just there. It's just stubbornly there. But as he draws you up, he says, if I be lifted up, one of the ways we lift him up is in worship. So as we lift him up in worship, he draws us up. And once he draws us up, those things begin to leave us. You just find that you're walking in victory. It's not something you're striving for. It's not something you can accredit to yourself. It's just you operating under the atmosphere of the Holy Ghost. Atmosphere of one who has been lifted, one who has been exalted above the mean things of the earth. Hallelujah. So we're just going to sing that song. Yes, my worship, all of my worship. Jesus, my worship. All of my worship. Yes, my and you are the one that knows. You are the one that knows the things that need to be You are the one that knows the things that need to be All of my worship. Father, you said my given us to be called your own to be called Christians to carry your DNA to carry your blood your name your spirit to read into your word and pick light to walk in revelation knowledge all the days of our lives to look forward to the one who is coming to know that we have hope for tomorrow we are not dead we are not dead we have hope we have hope we have hope we are not all looking at the same things we're not all looking at the same things. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for this glorious hope. Thank you, Father, for this deep privilege. Thank you, Father, for being called Christian. Thank you, Father, for today's word. Thank you, Father, because everyone is strengthened. Everyone is encouraged. Everyone is edified. In the name of Jesus and the, by the power of your spirit, in Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Please, can we celebrate the Beckoners? Amazing, amazing time of fellowship. Praise God. 
Can we also celebrate our minister, Juwan, as well, that took us in that powerful time of prayer. Hallelujah. Please, we can have our seats. Trust that we are all doing well. Um, and we are ready for light. Hallelujah. So it feels like I'm taller. I mean, I'm elevated, so. Okay. Um... What a powerful word we received last week, Sunday. Yeah. It was really deep. I, I, could not, I could not be shouting where I was, but my lap, my lap felt it. <laughs> it was really, 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 really deep. Really deep. You know, um, you, know the, you know the quality of light that hits you with what you produce out of it. So when you receive a word and you do something inspired after, you know that that word, you don't just accredit it to yourself that, oh, I'm just feeling inspiration. It was what hit you. It was what come into you that would, that cost you to produce that, that, that slant. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. So I'm going to start with um, going through the while we cap, you know, what we've learned from um, episode one or two, six. And I'm going somewhere with this, right? So while one is rocky wisdom, where pastor taught us that Christ has been made our wisdom. And there's a veil that every man on earth is walking with. Plug into that wisdom that has no veil. Regret would never be a problem if everything, if, if, you pl- if everything plugs into what God has done. God does not regret things. And so when we plug into what God has done, we also would not regret things. And he said that, Pastor was saying that if the foundation is destroyed, the righteous cannot compensate for a lack of wisdom. In WoW 2, that city plugs, Pastor began to teach us that the building that stands erect is the building that already has foundations. That's the building that stands. He was talking about Abraham, as Hebrews talked about, that Abraham is not looking to build the city or its foundations. Abraham is looking to layer on a city that has already been built. First symptoms of foolishness, Pastor Toros. The first is the presence of regrets. Again, highlighted from Rocky Wisdom, um, cyclical experiences, blame trading, and then actionless dreams. While three, seasoned wisdom, Pastor Peace taught us that wisdom is not far from nature. So to understand God, you need to study nature. Promises are tied to time. And we learned about the four seasons, how to discern, prepare, and position for those four seasons. In while four, skills, Pastor began to teach us that uh, misconception of fear has been something God wants everyone he talked about he talked about misconception of fear and how that we all most of us think that fear is something that God wants everyone else to have except us, and the fear of God is so he began to teach us that the fear of God is reverential honor, with no threats attached, incentivized by love and affection for God. And Pastor began to deconstruct honor and then right perception. How many of us remember the different um, um, you know hypermyopia, myopia, astigmatism? And all of that. Um, while five, securing your destiny needs. Um, I think one of the profound part of the 
message it for me was when pastor said, wisdom executes sound trade-offs. It executes sound trade-offs. So wisdom understands what lies in the future. And so it, does not, um, it doesn't shortchange itself in the present just because it wants to enjoy the now. It instead waits for the future. Pastor began to say that wisdom outlasts crisis. Wisdom plays the long game. And wisdom, again, is not about composition, but the arrangement. That was so, so powerful. It's not just about how you have drawn everything for, you know. It's about how you have arranged it to make meaning so, so deep. And then... Last week, hallelujah, shot fired. And it was so amazing how we just coincided with what we were going through as a nation in that time. Or last week. I don't know if you are still going through. I've not been on Twitter. <laughs> so, but last week, you know, Twitter was wild. So just because your brother in your house decided to vote for someone you don't like, yes, it would affect all of us. But that's the sacrifice of love right there now. Don't now destroy your brother for people that their children are not here. You don't understand? Their children are not even here. So don't disown your brother for that. They've made their choice. They've made their choice already. Praise God. I will still do the summary. So pastor said you create while you... That was deep. You create while you express. And it's just the... It's the... What's the word? It's, it's how we don't understand the impact. That as you are talking to someone, you are actually creating. And then pastor said that, you know, the mud is always dirtier than the pig. Ah, Okay, um, you don't choose the bands of your creation separate from your expression. You embrace what you love by what you say. So pastor said that, I mean, you choose death and life by what you say, and then you experience darkness or light. By, oh, you choose death and life by what you choose to say, and then when you say it, you then experience death or darkness or light. So we're not sad that, oh, now we've seen darkness. What did you choose to say? What did you, when you, it was at the, you know, when pastor was saying that, one of the thoughts that came to mind is that there are, two, there are two gates in our lives when it comes to speaking and expressing. There's the first gate where the environment interacts with your heart. You might not always know how to control that gate. Where, I mean, there are some, you should choose the environment where you find yourself, but there are some times that you can't choose the environment where you find yourself. You are unfortunately in a, or maybe fortunately, you are working with a set of people in an environment where it's just vile talk. Yes, you cannot control for that time. But guess what? You can control the second gate, which is how things come from your heart to your mouth. That one you can always, nobody will make you say anything you do not want to say. The Bible says when we come before God at the judgment, God will not say, Busola, or Pings, why did you slap Busola? Yinka, why did you slap Busola? God will not hear, ah, sir, Busola, mm. Why did you slap Busola? Why did you? as the actor of the action, slap Bushola. When God now faces Bushola, why did you abuse Yinka? So you, you always choose that expression gate, how things come from your heart to your mouth. And so when pastor was telling us that you embrace what you love by what you say, and you don't choose the, you don't choose the bands of your creation separate for, from the bands of your expression, it was just so powerful. He also said that your, word is, your words are stronger than your works. So regardless of how we strive and do an action, if our words don't come coincide with the works of our hands, then we're just joking. So your words is pulling you in this direction, your works is pulling you in this direction. And God had already established that the, world, the words already frame the world. So guess what? Your word probably has higher 
um, leverage and higher authority than the works of your hand, really. Because your words are seeds. They go into the ground. They... I told you already that when you receive revelation, the amount of revelation that comes out is always... So last week's teaching was, was, was so enlightening. And it's because it's so foundational. Foundational truths are very, very enlightening. They are very instructive because they are foundational. It's the premise of everything. Hebrews 11 says, we, this is the understanding of faith. That the first understanding of faith is the action of words and the creative factor of words. That is the first thing that you understand about faith. Once you come into faith, the first thing that you get to understand is that your words are powerful. And so the first thing you get to tame is your tongue. Because you now understand what faith is. Because guess what? How did you even come into this fold in the first place? It's by what you said, based on what you believe in your heart. That's why you're here. That's why we're all here. Based on what you believe with your mouth or with your heart. And then you then confess with your mouth. Hallelujah. So needless to say that it's very important that we take heed to what we say. We, we take heed to what we say. We take heed to what we say. How we behave, what we say. How we think. And how we guard those gates. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And it's on the back of that. that so so we, we've been receiving deep words, teachings, light. Sometimes you can, we can tend to, um, and there, was, there was an aunt of mine that, tell, that told me that the way you know something that is sweet is when you, how you know something is sweet is when you taste bitter. Like when you taste bitter, you know, ah, this thing is very, this thing is very sweet. And most of us have not had, thankfully, we are in an environment where we don't have, we don't even have, a, we don't even have the, and I don't want to say privilege, we don't get to taste bitter. And it means that, it can almost mean that you now want to trivialize sweets. And to now naturalize our sweets, like you don't know the amount of effort, the amount of concentrates that sweets is produced from. And it's with that understanding that I want us to stand up. No, minus pastor, sir. <laughs> Let's stand up and appreciate pastor. <laughs> the Bible says, give them double honor that labor over you. Hallelujah. And it's not just laboring in word and in prayer. You know, one day the Holy Spirit told me that it's also laboring in care. That this person, one of the pastoral visions of Aaron or priestly visions of, or priestly pictures of Aaron is that for every time, God told Aaron that for every time you appear to me, I see the children of Israel. So you, you are even like second, like... Like Aaron has lost him, almost lost him. His, his identity has been lost in the assignment. Because Aaron is a person, he has a family. But God said every so if Aaron says, You see, God, I need a new garment. God is seeing the children of Israel. And it's Aaron allowing himself to be subsumed in that new identity of a people. Of a people. So he's not just laboring in word, he's not just laboring in, in prayer, he's also laboring in care. That a, a, a name will come to his heart and he will pray for that person and then take another step to call the person or to say, see me. You think he does? He wants to stay. He wants to stay a week and not see anybody. As in, but it has come to his heart and he has to do because he has committed to it. Hallelujah. I want us to appreciate Pastor again. 
Thank you so, so much, sir. Hallelujah. I like giving examples a lot. So when I used to attend Avest House Christian Center in Ibadan, one of these days, Reverend Funka Dejimor came, and then she was, um, t- she was, I mean, she was preaching, and then she was talking about pa- Reverend Bemini, a brother's wife, Pastor Diola, and she was like that. And is the way she calmed down before she said it. She was like, ah, that thank you for giving my son rest to do. Because there are sometimes that you read maybe stories of God's generals, and then you read that they did it in spite of. They did it in spite of. They just had to do it. They have accepted this assignment. Regardless of who I have partnered with, I still have to do it. But that's not the case here. LA is so accommodating. LA is so supportive. So can we just, all of you face, all of us, that's face back. And let's just appreciate and love upon LA. There is a color, it's not just pastor that she is supporting. Oh, that's even, she's, I hate color, she's the ying to my yang. The pillars know, and the pillars support him, guys know. LA just has a way of seeing things that you would miss. And she'll just say, eh, hey, pinks. And when I just say, eh, hey, pinks, I know that revelation, Timbo, a light, Timbo. Thank you so much, LA. We love you and we appreciate you. May God strengthen you and may God continue to keep you for us and for pastor. <laughs> Amen. And let's also celebrate all our pastors as well. Deep words of revelation, deep wells of truth. For your words, sirs, for your prayers and for your care. Panko laugh, Please let all of our sis. Thank you so much. Hallelujah. So, today's teaching, hallelujah, is not going to be a convocation. And I'm going to be looking at my notes so that I don't veer off course. Hallelujah. So about a month ago, um, the Holy Spirit, I was, when I was, I was just doing my Bible reading, and then I came across this scripture um, in Proverbs 25, verse 2 to 4. And for me, it was really, really profound, the, the scripture and then the slant of thoughts and, you know, the slant of thought that the Holy Spirit brought out of that scripture. And so when Pastor extended the privilege of, you know, taking the word today to me, um, it's a profound privilege that we do not take for, for granted at all. I feel like when pastor says, you are taking the, I'm like, pastor, just, just leave us the Brighton push buttons, doing prayers, election charges. Preaching on Sundays is another kettle of fish, and not uh, entirely, um, but we draw grace, hallelujah. So that, I, you know, I just, I was, when I was thinking about what to, what to teach, you know, the Holy Spirit just brought that thought back to my heart, and I was like, mm, okay, it will be good. It will be good to, to teach this. So, um, yes, Proverbs 25 from verse 2, it says that it's the glory of God. The translation here is different from... Okay, can we have... Okay. It's the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the honor of kings is to search out a matter. Verse 3 says the heavens for heights and the earth for depth and the heart of... the and the heart of kings is unsearchable. Take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth a vessel for the finer. Do you have this in Amplified? Yes, please. Especially verse 4. Okay. 
Okay. Hallelujah. Okay, it's here. Okay, so it says, take away the dross from the silver, and there shall come forth the material for a vessel, or the material for, or a vessel for the silversmith to work up. Hallelujah. And so we're going to be exploring, especially this scripture, um, Proverbs 25, verse 4, and we're just going to be uh, taking a look at it deeply and then talking about the import for, of that scripture for relating with people as Christians and also personal development. Right? Hallelujah. And I would like us to start with uh, a particular concept that um, it's the dual perfection and growth gap. Right? That's the concept. And it's how that, you know, at the beginning of creation, we were created perfect. Hallelujah. You know, it's, it's before God introduced us to the earth, we were perfect. We were perfected. You know, Pastor taught us that when he, talked, when he taught us about before. You know, before you became up on the foundations of the earth and were introduced, we were already perfect. And then at the end of, at the end, at rapture, or at the end of the earth, when the earth folds up and before the new heavens and the new earth come and all of that, we will also be perfect. So we see a journey from perfection to perfection. But when we are introduced to the earth, maybe depending on the environmental context we find ourselves, there might not be that obviously, obviously as we can, we can all see. There is not that perfection. And then, so there is that journey, or that journey within that growth gap, what I like to call a glide path of progress, there is that journey where people tend to move from perfection or where they find themselves in the new context they are in to till Christ comes. And the problem with that, or sometimes what you find as the problem in that concept is that people tend to, so for example, if I, I am introduced to the world, say, um, in the house of old money, right? Somebody that has had money, owns a lot of land across the country. I am give, I'm, I'm, I'm treated with a certain perception when I come into the world, like, oh, nobody cares what I carry on my inside. It's just the fact that I carry a surname behind me, so I'm, 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 I'm a lot. I'm worth a thousand, a million bucks. But when another person that may even carry the same essence that I carry is introduced, and this person comes from one place in Elisha, you know, he's not wearing shoes. He has natural shoes. <laughs> there is the perception of that person and that that person is perceived as this person is not worth so much. So in, a, in an environment where or when the conversation is going on, you see that people, because they have um, hastily concluded on the worth of these two people, they want to hear the person that has the million dollar box name, even though the person is, may say things that are foolish. But guess what? Even the perception of the money that you have passed on the person makes the foolish sound wise. And then makes, because you're not even looking to hear the, the guy, the other guy out because of the environmental context that he came from. And sometimes we also are subject to that hasty conclusion where we just look at somebody and we want to immediately think about, you know, where is he from? Who is his father? Who is his, where is his house? You know, and you see that when God calls people, the first thing they tell God is where they came from. How will you call me? I am, my family is the smallest of the smallest of this. Did you do the census? Were you, are you working in the population council? That you already know that your family is the smallest. So they, they update God on their environmental context and how that is an excuse for not becoming who God has called them to be. So in James chapter 2, 
we see James say that, my brethren, chapter 2 from verse 1, he says, my brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if there come unto your assembly a man with gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say to him, sit here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand there, or sit here under my footstool. He says, are ye not then partial in yourselves, and have become judges of evil thoughts? Erkin, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of the world, rich in faith, and the heirs of, kingdom, heirs of the kingdom he has promised to them that love him. But you have despised the poor. Don't rich men oppress you and draw you onto judgment seats. So we see that, that Apostle James was telling us that don't, don't be part of the, the group of people or the bandwagon that would esteem a person and evaluate a person based on how they show up. It's a higher order of thought to think that, see, regardless of how this person shows up, this person carries something. And the reason he carries something is because of that dual perfection and the growth gap. Is that God created that person perfect. So I ascribe that knowledge of God's create. God cannot create a, no matter how the person shows up. So I remember a friend of I and a friend of mine were talking about you know, giving birth, and, and she, she was talking about the fact that, oh, she doesn't want to um, give birth to a child that is on the autism spectrum. And I was like, why? Like, so do you think that the child, because the child is on the autism spectrum, the child is, is not a child, like, is not a child? And there was a conference that Pastor Peace invited me to one of these days where a woman was also talking about that, and she was saying that, you know, a certain couple, you know, they had a child on autism spectrum, and they locked the child up. So when their friends come to visit them, the child is not, the child is not brought out. The child is locked up. And I was just using that example to show her that, mm, the child is also a child. The child is even more, and I told her, see, a lot of us, some people had ADHD when they were long, younger. I mean, you don't know now because you are sharp. But when you are young, you could not sit down in one place. And if you had, they had given a, a doctor, a foreign doctor, an opportunity to examine you, you probably have been on the spectrum yourself. There is nobody that is not on the spectrum. It's a spectrum for a reason. Because we are all different. But the same way we are created different is that we are created good. God looks at you and calls us good, regardless of how you show up. So Apostle James was encouraging us that we should not pander to that team of people or that set of people that evaluates people based on how they show up. Because guess what? We are all on a glide path to progress. So you see somebody today, 2000 to 2023, if we decide to discount this person today, and you see him in 2025, and this person is way better than you could have imagined, you do not have any right to come to that person and now want to parley with the person then. Which right have you? You are short-sighted. Yes. Because you don't see me for the value I carry, but I'm jumping ahead of myself. So that's the problem with environmental context. Because it sort of almost wants to weigh in on you to, to, to just hastily make conclusions. And environmental contexts are always temporary. The situation you find yourself today is not the situation you'll be in tomorrow. They are always temporary. So imagine, a Chinese man 
and I don't know why I'm saying a Chinese man, but a, a, a business mogul goes into Elisha now and builds up skyscrapers. And then the guy that has shoes now lives in a beautiful house. Then you know she must say, eh, what? So you can live in this fine house. I respect you, sir. Because the situation has changed. And so our vision and our perspectives is now pandering to environmental context. No. Bible says that, you know, that we may, and I'm paraphrasing now, it says that there is a kind of eyes that sees temporarily. But it says we should exchange that, that eyes for eyes that looks into things permanently. Hallelujah. Praise God. So there is that growth gap, and we have to understand that everyone is in that growth gap. Everyone. You may be higher than someone in that growth gap, but you were somewhere before on that growth gap as well. And somebody might be lower. You must give the person grace to move higher in that growth gap. Praise God. So we're just going to be looking at this concept in Proverbs 25, 4, where it says that, it says, take away the dross. And the material would appear for the finer's use, for the refiner's use. Take away the dross. And one of the things that just shows there is that we all have dross and we all have material. There is nobody that is without dross and there is nobody that is without material. But sometimes we tend to, again, limit ourselves based on the dross potential that we carry. And say that, oh, I can't, I can't do this because I am so full of dross. So I can't even relate to this person because this person, the, the dross level of this person is, is too high. My own is already low. So I can't relate to this person because this person carries much more dross than I do. Praise God. So we're going to be looking at the import of this scripture for people relations. And the example we see here which is always the example for every Christian, is Jesus, right? And the Bible says concerning Jesus in um, Hebrews chapter 2 from, from verse 5, it says, for unto the angels, I used original KJV for this, so let me read. So New King James, sorry, Hebrews 2 verse 5. Because there is has, has, has not. There is a thou. Okay, is he here? Okay. Just for he has not put the world to come of which we speak in subjection to angels. Let's go on. We're going to verse 9. But one testified in a certain place saying, What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of me? Take care of him. Me? Him. You have made him a little lower than angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. And you have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all things in subjection under him. He left nothing that is not put under him. But now we do not yet see all things put under him. But we see Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels. For the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor. That he by the grace of God might taste death for everyone. Hallelujah. So you see Jesus who was the word of God. The Bible calls him the word of God for before the foundations of the earth. And then he was going to step into the earth. And where he stepped into first to introduce himself was a manger. He, he, came, he came in a manger. That's, I mean, he didn't come in the five, because there was no room in the five-star hotel. I mean, nobody would hear that there was no room. I mean, the only people that asked David and said, okay, why, why, um, uh, sorry, Joseph and Mary that would be like, okay, why, why did you give birth to your child in the manger? 
and then it's only then that he can then answer them, we had the money, but unfortunately there was no space. And so now we are in the manger. But everybody else that heard about the birth of Jesus will say Jesus was born in a manger. And so it's now this manger guy, manger bomb boy that now wants to be our savior. How? And that's why some, the Pharisees could not comprehend that. Because the picture of the savior that was supposed to come was somebody riding on horses, was somebody coming with thousands of angels to come and fight the Romans. So they could not just, they could not reconcile the high picture they had of Jesus with this low picture of someone that was born in a manger, someone that is, your father is the one that helping us to do our furniture that we are sitting on. Like, how? But you see Jesus coming into the scene and the Bible says that, the Bible says concerning us that we do not see, we do not yet see those things put under us. But you see Jesus coming on the scene and regardless of his environmental context, he carried the identity that he had and he defied every limitation. Whether what the Pharisees said, whether what whoever believed, whether whatever it is, he defied all of all those things. And Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews began to say, let's look at that Jesus. Let's, let's pay attention to Jesus and let's pay attention to what he did. And there are two things, like I said, that we're going to be paying attention to. Number one, how Jesus treated people. How did Jesus treat people and why did he treat people that way? And number two, how did Jesus treat himself? Praise God. So the fact that Jesus was born in the manger doesn't, did not excuse his essence, did not excuse what he carried. The fact that he was born to Mary and to Joseph, I mean, we know that Joseph was of the heritage, the Davidic heritage, but we do not know how the Davidic heritage had evolved contextually then. Because Joseph was now a carpenter. Yes, he was a renowned carpenter, but David was the king, and Joseph is now a carpenter. I mean, I think he should have been like a prime minister, like a special advisor or like a partner, something. But he wasn't that. He wasn't in the Pharisaic, he wasn't any of that. I don't, we don't also know the t contextual environment that Mary was in, but I believe she was of a royal, if we find another royal outside, she was royal inside because of the way she interacted with the, the, the angel. But you see that regardless of how Jesus found himself, from when he was little, he carried that pride and not pride as in being proud, but he carried that pride and understanding of his assignment. And regardless of, even when his parents wanted to tell him that, oh God, it's not like, it's not your time yet. Or maybe his brothers are like, oh, keep quiet. We're all, we are, we are all children of Joseph, you understand? Like, why is your own much? And he's like, no, no. Hallelujah. So, the lessons we learn conclusively is that God only creates material grade people and masterpieces. That's all God creates. And to understand, to accept that God is the creator of all men is to accept that fact. That God only creates masterpieces and material grade people. He doesn't create anything that is perceived as faulty is to come into that understanding that God, as long as you are the creator of all men, I accept that you create masterpieces. And then everyone I look at, I look at them from that lens that they are a masterpiece, regardless of when, where I meet them. Hallelujah. But every man is a masterpiece in progress. Every man is a masterpiece in progress. They were created a masterpiece and so they are going to their masterpiece destination. They are, they, we are all going there. We're all moving towards perfection. Yes. 
and we all have different timelines. So don't try to hasten people up because you want them to meet up with your time. I've got to get there. Want them to meet up with your timelines. And you must also appreciate that about yourself as well. Because some of us, you know, we would be given an assignment to do or a task to do or just given a certain kind of honor. And you might be like, mm. like uh, I cannot accommodate this, this level of honor. It's too much. It's too much. It's too I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> it's too much, it's too much, it's too much. But no. If anyone presents a gift to you that you, you feel like you don't match up to, that person is presenting a gift to your masterpiece grade. That person has perceived the masterpiece inside of you and has decided to present a gift. The three wise men came and they presented a gift, not to a Jesus in the manger, to a Jesus that is Lord and that is the Savior of all. When they came to meet King Herod, they said, we are going to the king. They did not say we are going to a bomboy that the angel told us was born in the manger, so we just want to go and visit him, just go and check him out. They said, we are, and they did not even know where the star was leading them to. They, they did not know. They did not know that they were going to a ghetto. <laughs> they did not know that they were going to, you know, one place. You just move there, move there, move there, move there. Even. You know how people say, like, they did not know that that was where the star was leading them to. And you know, sometimes when you get there, you have the gift, they're like, ah, uh-uh. ah. I'm taking my gift. I'm taking my gift back. It's not the one. They, when they saw Jesus in the manger with goats, sheep bleating, because you have to picture it, man. Like, you have to picture all of all the context. And it's like, ah, ah, you're still the son of God. Okay, take. And then they bowed. So you deserve it. The masterpiece in you deserves that gift. Hallelujah. So, and that's why we would also understand why Jesus came to die for all of us. It's because of the masterpiece that he saw in us. That was what Jesus saw. Bible says in Hebrews 2 that for the joy that was set before him, it was, the joy that was set before him was not the joy of, oh, he's going back to... He's going back to heaven. That was really not the joy. Because you can't be telling, I don't know who's the CEO of Lamborghini, to say, okay, I'm going to give you a Lamborghini. And God will be like, thank you. Thank you. Ah, you give me a Lamborghini. Thank you. No. Because he has. He has plenty. If he's not driving because he doesn't want it or he's tired of it. You know how you cook food and you're eating, you don't want to eat it again because you are the one that cooked it. So you can't, it can't be the the assumption of authority that we are, Jesus was excited about. It was the fact that I would die for this guy so that their masterpiece grade can come out. So that, that thing that is locked inside of them, they can, they, it can come out. They can break off every other limitation that seems to stand against them and those things can only <laughs> So I would die for them so that there is something inside of them. The devil doesn't know what he's joking with. Yeah, he might have had his way, way in, in, um, in the Garden of Eden. No, but there is something God created these people to be. And I want, I want them to have it. I want them to get there. And so I would die for them. So Jesus took the sacrifice of seeing that masterpiece grade of all of us. And decided to die for that picture. And that's why even when the Pharisees were insulting him, abusing him, he did not care. Because even those people, he was dying for their masterpiece grade. Regardless of how they were stoning him, beating him, he was like, mm, 
Father, Lord, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. You see this disturbance that is in front of them? This their flesh is just disturbance. It's disturbance. There is something that is coming out. And that person, that person understands the weight of sacrifice. That person in them is actually telling me thank you. But they, they, might, they might be beating me. But that person in them is telling me thank you. And it's how our parents will tell us, you will thank me in the future. <laughs> Say you. And this thing I'm doing for you. you, you and it's true. Those things that they denied us when we were younger, it's now that we thank them for it. And mommy, thank you. <laughs> thank you for not allowing me. <laughs> thank you. I like say you want to be taking everything. I want, I want. Oh, want a lay. It's one meat you eat, one meat, one meat. And now when you're eating two meat, I'm like, won't you tell me not to take two? I say, it's okay, it's okay. You're like, Jensen, you're like, So we thank, we, and we, that's why we thank Jesus, having understood the sacrifice that he did. And so when, when you're preaching to somebody and somebody does not, it's not, don't worry. They, they are thanking you. The person inside of them, even though they're saying, okay, I don't want, I don't want you, I don't want you. Don't be telling me these things. Go, go. The person inside of them will say, thank you. Just come again another time, eh? When this, this outer coat is not so angry, just come again. That's what the person inside is telling you. Again, hallelujah. <laughs> so what are the lessons we are learning from what we see about Jesus and what Jesus saw? So we saw that Jesus saw that we were all material great people. And so those material great people were worth dying for. And the lessons we learn is that nobody is without material. But that material is often covered in dross. And so, like I said earlier, we should not conclude on a man's state because he can change, because he has material. So that scripture says, take the dross away and the material will appear. So the guy is just a dross away from a material emerging. So I would not conclude on him yet because he can change, because he has material. There is not all dark in there. There is light in there, and that light will emerge one day. So I won't give up on this guy. I won't give up on this lady. I won't give up on this, my friend. I would not conclude that, you know, this person is damaged goods because there is material in there. A dross factor just needs to be taken away. So view people from the lens of their material, not their dross. And the humbling thing that we then realize is that we all have material and we all have dross. And when you evaluate your own dross dump, it makes you grateful and then graceful. You can minister grace to somebody because you know that even though it's not the same kind of dross, everybody has their different dross dynamic based on where they come from, you know, what they've been exposed to. I remember when Pimo was telling us about, uh, oh no, we heard, when I was in VHF, I heard that Pimo used to minister to, I mean, prostitutes in UI. I'm like, wow. And I, I asked myself, how, what kind of perspective do you have? Like, what kind of perspective do you have to go and minister to prostitutes? It takes a level of, because everyone looks at them and be like, ah, look at this person. But you then start to hear the stories of this what, what people even call prostitutes. And you hear that some of them, it's just environmental context. Most of them, you find that they will tell you that when I start working in a good, I mean, it's not, we're not, we're not, we're not trying to say that, oh, they are justified by what they're doing. But most of them, you hear they say that, see, when I start to work now, I'm going to leave all of all these things. I'll take care of my family, I'll bring them out. So you start to hear 
the quality of thoughts that they have, even though they are in that demeaning context. One guy was talking about the fact that, you know, he, he did an experiment. I don't, I don't know if it's an experiment that he did. But he, he took a prostitute and he started talking to her and then he was telling her, he was sharing his own discouragement with her and she, was, she kept on telling him, oh God, don't be discouraged though. Oh God, be encouraged. There's light at the end of the tunnel. He, she was really encouraging that, oh God, you see, even this situation where there are no one day here. But not only she, that, by next year now, they work, like she was, she was seeing the light where she would break off from this limitation and emerge into something that she knows she is on the inside. That this thing is not her. But unfortunately, she finds herself there by different contexts. So look at the, behold the material in people and speak to that material in them. I was giving uh, Minister Gabriel a gist yesterday how that I was listening to a certain aspirant. And he started to say that, you know, he, whenever he speaks to Agberos and then he tells them that, like they come to him all charged up, we drop something, and then he tells them, sorry, um, if I give you, sweet and Yoruba, if I give you a job, won't you take it? Like if I give you, a, and he, he escalates the impact of what that job will do for him and his family and his generations to come. Oh, guy, I give you a job. You, your, your family is okay. Your daughter, your son, everything is okay. And he sees that their faces just change. That that hard guy that is all charged up, as if he wants to come and remove all the parts of your car. They already understand the anatomy of cars in and out. Like, they're just looking. They, they already. And that guy just comes calming down. That this guy has seen more to me than something like somebody that should be used to be doing what I don't know. He has seen more to me, he has seen posterity in me. They just calm down. And then those people become your friends. Those people see you and they hail you and like, oh God, they're not hailing you the way they are hailing you and you think, so I am stand, I'm, I'm standing and watching an Agbero hail two people. I think he's hailing them for the same reason. But it's only one person because Ah, last time I talked to this guy, ah, this guy spoke sense to me. He's telling the other person because this one gave me five naira and then told me that I should go. After he gave me the five naira, let me go. he told me to go and injure somebody because, remember, I gave you five naira. But somebody else is ailing that person because of the material potential that that person spoke to him. So understanding your drush dump and where you also came from, the fact that you have also evolved in your journey regardless of how you evolved in your journey. Some people say, oh, my own problem was small. This one, his own problem is big. The way God, when God saved me, I was okay. Like, I was still moral. I was, I, I was not smoking now when God saved me. But this when God saved her, she was smoking, she had gone. Ah, God had to, no. Before God, we were all, our righteousness are all filthy rags. God doesn't understand big problem, small problem. Before him, we are all the same. So when you evaluate your drush dump from that perspective, that to you, it's a big deal. So you would minister grace or you would give grace to the other person that is also evolving as well. Hallelujah. So there's a level of empathy that only comes when you evaluate your drush dump. Most times people tell us, forget your past, forget your past, forget it, forget it, forget it. But forget it to the extent that you don't allow it to limit you. But don't forget it to the extent that it allows you to be grateful and graceful. Like you don't remember where you came from. So it'd be like... So, 
I don't, I don't, I don't know how many people have watched this. There's a particular movie, and I'm, there's a movie where, I don't know, it's called Rat Guy, and nobody has watched So the guy, <laughs> I'm sorry that I'm using this example, but it's apt. The guy, his mom, where he came from, you would think he came from Ivy League school. Ivy, 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 Ivy background. He never gave anybody a line of allowance. Just one small grammatical blunder, he's already shouting. Why are you making all these mistakes? Why are you? And then something happened to him and he started making, so he would think phone and speak broken, worse, making grammatical blunder. And it was just a scenario where whoever did it to him was trying to remind him that everybody has where they are coming from. You also can give allowance and give grace to people. Let them evolve. Let them make mistakes before you. Let them change. So give grace. Hallelujah. And this also lends itself to giving feedback as well. When you're giving someone, or when you're giving someone feedback, always allow the person to see that you know that there is material grade in them. So I know you can change to this better person. You just need to take out, you just need to take out this bit. And don't worry, that's that person that I want to see, that fine thing that I want you to create would appear. There is an energizing and empowering potential that comes when you give feedback to someone, not just with, you know, telling them that, oh, you have made all mistakes, nothing can be, nothing can be, you know, is a, a train wreck, you have wrecked everything. And you're like, being something like this in the scale of the actual value chain of events is not really much. But when you, the person has zoned in on that problem, like you have made a train wreck on, on this. It's a train wreck, it's a train wreck. And then you scale it out. And then you see that it's not actually a train wreck, man. It's just a, it's just a dip. You can, and we can, we can mend it back up. So when we give feedback to people and when you try to advise people, speak to their material grade as well. And speak to the fact that, oh, I know that you're going to change based on what I know is in you. I'm not telling you to go and borrow it from somewhere. I'm not telling you to go and acquire. You, you, you have it in you. You just need to take out this dross. Just put in the effort to take out this dross and you will see that the material will appear. It would appear. Hallelujah. And particularly as Christians, there are certain people that the world tends to treat based on their gross potential. Drivers, waiters, somebody waiting on you in the restaurant. <laughs> no. Treat those people with sir, ma. Don't universalize sir, ma. Sir. Some people, I don't even know what they are. It's later that I found out that this person is 10 years older than me. They're saying, sa, 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 ma, 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 ma. Give them the respect. You would see that those people, their faces light up because you've treated them in a way that not everybody else is. So, especially for people that the world tends to relate with them based on their dross potential, take the sacrifice by speaking to their material potential every time you see them. It's like a gift that you're giving to them. The fact that you're treating them well, you're treating them with respect, you know, 
Hallelujah. But then there's a balance. And I've shared this um, earlier or before now. Sorry, is this? Tetsu, okay, two minutes left. <laughs> there's a balance. And the balance is, let's look at the story of David. How that when, the, when David was in the cave of Adullam, right? He was downcast. He was, he was down and out. You know, he was, he was running away. And people would assume that, you know, this guy is just like a... He's, I mean, yes, he was anointed, but you're anointed onto what now? You're anointed, you're running. If you're even anointed and waiting for the king to kick the bucket so that you can... But you're, never, you're anointed and you're now running. You're you are running. So is it better that you are, you are anointed or is it not better that... But let's, so he was in the cave of Adam and he was down. Imagine how he was feeling when he was in the cave. And then God sends him 300 men. And God did not send him 300 men that were... I would just come and tell him, Sioga, let me help you strategize this thing. These men were worse than him in their environmental context. Bible says they were down, they, they, are, they, are, they, they were distorted, dejected, all, all everything on them. And you know how we say that, you know, you attract the kind of man that you are? And so, you know, David wants to think that, eh, you see now, I knew it. <laughs> there is nothing about me, see what God even sent to me, see, see. No, David had the right perspective. And I want to, as Pastorito will say, throw the spanner in the works of that common statement where they say you attract the kind of man that you are. I don't think, I don't think it's always correct. Because when we assume that that is universally correct, what it then means is you feel bad when certain kind of people come to you. Because you feel like, ah, I mean, this is not the kind of man that me I want to be. Why would this person be talking to me? I don't want to be like this. I don't want to talk to this person. But no. The kind of man that you are is based on the, the, how you accept people and where you allocate people in your circle of influence. So, for example, David understood that these 300 men coming to him were mentees at that time. They were meant to be trained at that time. At another time, he understood that these men were now allies and comrades to help me win battles. Same thing with Jesus. I mean, Jesus had a, a thief in someone that was going to betray him in his close circles. Would we now say that, oh, Jesus has attracted Judas because Jesus, there is a Judas in Jesus? No. So when it's when you someone comes to you and you, you do not discern the person to understand that this person is a mentee, not a husband. That's where the problem is. This person is not a friend, but a partner. And I'm not talking about husband partner, I'm talking about vision, visionary partner. So it's when you do not have the right perspective to allocate people in your circle of influence based on who they are. But that the kind of man you are is the kind of, uh, the kind of people you attract is that is the kind of man you are, I don't think is entirely correct. Because it makes us want to choose finished products. Who don't like fine things? You, like, you just want to choose somebody when they are finished, when they are done, when they are okay. And you don't want to really walk through the process with someone. Hallelujah. 
So the quality of man that you are is reflected in how you accept men and allocate men within your circle of influence. So don't just want finished products. The value that you carry in a person's life. I remember at some point when they were saying, oh, pastors, you know, people are buying cars for pastors, building house for pastors. And I think it was Pastor Ponoletia that came out and said, okay, this person came to my church. When he came to my church, he was wearing natural shoes. In my church, and it's not in my church, in our church, this man grew, he received light, he got better. He had much more to spend, to eat, to give, and to spare. And he looked at one of the main factors in his life, causing that transformation, and he says, sir, I give you a car, and you're angry. Why were you not angry when I was preaching to him, when he was in natural shoes? Why were you not saying, Pastor, your own is too much, stop preaching, stop preaching, stop giving? The quality a man holds in another man's life depends on where he meets him in that process, that glide path. If you have been with me through 10 years of my transformation, nobody should come and tell me you know what I should give to that person that has helped my life. It's not your business. Hallelujah. Praise God. So now, we go on to the importance of Proverbs 25.4 for personal development. And again, we look at Jesus. <clears throat> and Hebrews 12.2.3 again says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And in John 16.8, Jesus said something. Jesus said, I come forth from the Father, and I'm coming to the world. And again, I leave the world, and I go to the Father. So Jesus knew that, see, I come from perfection, and I'm going to perfection. Because before God, nothing is undone. Nothing is, is perf- it's, it's, before God, you, what you find is perfection. Around God, what you find is perfection. People that praise him around him are people that are wearing crowns and removing their crowns and putting it down. You know, the 24 elders. So Jesus said, I came forth from my father to the world, and I'm leaving the world and going to my father. So Jesus knew that, like I said earlier, even if he was born in the manger, the manger is not an excuse for not releasing his essence into the world. The manger is just a contextual path for his own progress. So Jesus would never, and that's why the Bible never excluded the part that Jesus was born in a manger. And you see that some people, you want to tell your story, but you want to forget where you came from. Because you don't want, you just want your story to be, let people know where you came from. Let people appreciate how you have grown. It gives people light and comfort that way. That, <laughs> I did not wake up this way. I came from somewhere. Hallelujah. So how, how was Jesus able to weather through that context? The Bible talks about the fact that he had a joy set before him. So he was deep in perspective and he was high in possibilities. Jesus was always, I mean, I feel like talking to Jesus in this day and age, he was like, ah. he was always deep in perspective and he was always high in possibilities. So what are the lessons that we learn from, from Jesus in this way? Is that the extent of a man's honor and rank in life is de- dependent on how much material mining he does. 
Now, we've talked about how you should behave to other people, but it doesn't excuse the fact that you must still allow your ogobuyo. Like, don't say, oh, people should be giving me allowance. For you, you must continue to mine and you must continue to endure and press. Press yourself under the pressure to allow that grade. It says in Proverbs 25, 4 again, it says, take out the dross and the material will appear. So that material is just waiting for me to take one more dross away. One more dross. And something would appear. And it gives so much hope. Knowing that I just, I just need to stop doing this thing. And then a beautiful me would appear. Like, it's different in that. All about these things. Pablo just like, it will not, nothing is going to come out. Like, everything is just, you know, some parents are talking to me, like, after they are finished encouraging you, you don't not say, oh, Nishe, no. I'm like, so why? <laughs> why did you spend five hours saying that she'll be looking at you deep in the eye, and you know, say, I will not now do it. So I have concluded that all of this talk that you just talk now is ending in nothing. But actually, the reason why we undergo that pressure and press ourselves and, and deny and deny and continue to deny is because there is, a, there is a glory that would come out, that would appear. So you must endure and mine because you come from perfection and you are going to perfection. And there are two, so we see that in Hebrews 12, we see two kinds of, or two, um, dispositions of Christ to, to the things that stand against, stood against what he saw. Bible says he despised the shame and then he endured a cross. So there were things that he despised and there were things that he endured through. So then there are drosses that are stumbling blocks to your growth and there are drosses that you just need to power and meander through. Hallelujah. So one of those drosses that are stumbling blocks to your growth is when your, number one, is your attitude, is maybe wrong attitudes. Those, those ones, you don't, you, don't end, you don't endure wrong attitude. You despise it. You disesteem it. So once, you remember when pastor was still teaching us about, you know, um, the living, and it was like that one of the ways that you don't just, livings don't just appear. You go and look for that. God tells them to go and look for the living to search their lives for living, to take out, and to do away with. So there are some things that, there are some dresses that are stumbling blocks to your eminence and to your emergence. And there are some things that are just challenges that you need to power through. Are just crosses, are just things that you need to bear through. Hallelujah. And so to defy the limitation of an environmental context, you need to disesteem the shame. You need to disesteem the shame. There are times that, or for some people, I'm sure this doesn't apply to everyone, but there are some people that, based on where you come from, or what you've done before you became saved, or whatever, or you are in a new environment, and who you know you were before then, you sort of carry a shame with you that I'm not supposed to be, like, I don't fit in here. Like, as these people are, these people are shouting, hallelujah, ah, can I be shouting hallelujah? Like, can, can I, do I have the authority or do I have the allowance or the excuse to just shout hallelujah? Like, it's, maybe other people, they don't have the same background that I have. No, you need to disesteem that shame. You are meant to be where you are at this time. You need to disesteem and forget, forget the shame, despise it. 
If Jesus' brother was telling him, oh God, you are Joseph's son. You can't be speaking with so much authority. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus disesteemed the shame. He despised it. So the way you defy those limitations is by disesteeming them. So it's okay that I come from an environmental context that may, may not look palatable. But when that environmental context now wants to shut me down and shut my emergence down, then I disesteem it. It's only for story basis, not for any other thing. Amen. Amen. Remember David in the Valley of Elah? You know, when he came and then he saw that, you know, he, he, he met Goliath shouting. And David, knowing the essence that he carried, was going to release his essence. And then his brother said, ah, me, I'm your elder brother, I'm here. All of us, we're all sitting down, waiting for this man to come down. And maybe, perhaps, he will carry his old people and go back and say, this is not, <laughs> this is not. <laughs> maybe let's not fight them today. These people are too weak. Then you, you don't even have armor. When we were doing training, you were not there. The few sheep, the 20 sheep, when your mates are taking 100, 150, you, you are doing 20, and it's you that wants to now fight these people. David disregarded him. He was like, what have I done? Is there not a cause? So, David did not care that his three brothers were in the army, and they cannot fight. He doesn't care maybe that's where they came. It's not as if they can't fight. It was just that it, the noise that Goliath was making was too much. <laughs> he didn't care that. So he understood for informational purposes, he understood that his family was in the army. But when he came to releasing his essence against what he found as a challenge that he needs to endure through, to the joy that he has seen that he said before him, whether the joy is the wife he wants to marry, or, the joy that he has seen that he said before him, he despised his family. He despised that heritage when he looked like that heritage was going to be a limitation. Hallelujah. Also, the discovery of your vast potential is, the, is understanding that the allocation of the elements around you is actually there to fund and further your progress. So time holds within it the capacity well, in time, things either depreciate or appreciate. You either, depending on your perspective, you either then agree to the depreciating effect of time or the appreciating effect of time. So you can allow time beautify you, or you can allow time the opposite, depending on your perspective. And God has already told us the perspective that we should have, that the path of a just is as a shining light that shines brighter and brighter onto a perfect day. And so for us, we understand that time as an example of creational elements only funds and furthers our progress. Praise God. And one of the ways we, or the overarching ways that we expunge dross from our lives and mine out material is through the partnership of the Holy Ghost. It's through the partnership of the Holy Ghost. There is a reason why the, Jesus left the Holy Spirit with us. There is a reason. He's not an, he's not an event person. He's not some, somebody we come to when they are just events. 
Oh, he came, he came into me at salvation, at rapture. He will transform me. He will take out, you know, he will, he's the one that will make sure my corruption puts in on in corruption, my mortality puts on immortality. But before then, it's inactive. You know how some things, when you say something is gray, you know that this one is inactive, and then now it turns blue or red, now this one is active. No. He's there as our partner to help us mine that material and expunge the dross. The more we fellowship with the Holy Spirit, the more we get to understand that these are the things that he wants. You, you, you will just get a prompt. And it might even be him leading you to an environment where you get wisdom. To learn that, oh, this thing that I've been doing, I need to take it out and I need to introduce something else. I need to take this thing out so that a more beautiful version of me can, can appear and can emerge. Hallelujah. I wrote here that a Christianity you need to, you find that doesn't lead you into intimacy with the Holy Ghost cannot be sustainably maintained. An holistic Christianity is cemented in the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And of course, also the assembly of the brethren. And the emphasis of the Holy Ghost here is to introduce him as both your coach, as your coach in the mining process. And that coach embodies both the judge and the counsel. So the Holy Spirit will not just be judging, judging. It doesn't just judge, 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 judge. He's both a convictor and a counselor, a comforter. So he would judge you to, you know how they pass verdicts that this thing must go. This thing must be sentenced. This thing, adjudicated. So the coach combines the judge and the counsel dimension that is required for the removal of the dross and the emergence of the material. Continuous judging and rebuke doesn't take away the dross. So if you see that you just continue to judge somebody, judge somebody, judge somebody, you can't get better, you can't get better. And, you, and so you tell the person how worse the person can get and you expect the person to get like, like you're challenging the person. Like, the person will just, eh, you feel like, eh, you will see how worse I can get. Shall we have, you will see. And like Director Dami told us, you don't want to see somebody's real flesh. You really do not want to see how bad somebody can get. So it's best in, your, in our own, for our own benefit, for me to encourage you. Because I don't want to see how, I don't really want to see how bad my neighbor can get. I don't. So the Holy Spirit combines that judge and then the counsel. So the judge tells you the drushes you need to take away. The counsel tells you that, he shows you your material grade. And that's why the Bible says in 2 Peter that the, through the word of God, the Holy Spirit helps us to navigate into the great and precious promises that God has given us. So you begin to look at Romans 8 and you begin to see who you are. And you begin to get excited at the kind of person. Remember, there are times when you just pray and you just see yourself in some... Ah, in some... You just... Ah, you just, ah, you just you're praying and God shows you a picture of... And he shows you a picture based on the exposure you have, Right? So he probably shows you a picture of something. You're like, me? Wow. Wow. And then the next time you read something in one verse and you say, and he says, stop being envious. He just told me how good I am. That's, that's, that's the Holy Spirit. He shows you the, the best you can be. And then he shows you, this is what you need to forget to enter that best. He does both. 
And then as he does both, you appear ready for the master's use. And God is able to build you. He's able to, he's able to take you to places. He's able to, he's able to say, okay, this assignment is here. This is my son. I can bring him into this place. Because of that partnership that you have come into with the Holy Ghost. And so you must endure the dross expunging process. It's not really, sometimes it's not palatable. Sometimes it's like, why do I have to now take away this one? You've been taking away every, why do I need to take away this one? Leave this one. And it's like, this one also has to go. It also has to go. Because you find out that the higher the dross, the more the refuse. So when there's a lot of dross in the house, it's, there's refuse. And the more the refuse, the more the refuse. So you begin to refuse. You begin to refuse things. You just, you just, God is saying something. Is that because of bad attitude? Is that because of you allowing your limitations, you know, hold you back? You're just refusing. God is saying, go, go, go. No, I can't go. No. So the higher the dross, the higher the refuse. You just, so to allow yourself step in. And sometimes you don't have to refuse with your mouth. You can refuse with what you, have, what you have allowed to remain in your life. Where, and this is very simple. Late coming. It's as simple as that. You come late, come late, come late, come late, come late, come late, come late. And someone needs, the only reason why they need someone is they need someone first that can come early. And you're just excused from that assignment because you come late. They've never even spoken to you that would you do it so you can say, Saf, even for that, for especially that one that you just said, I will come early. But because of your track record of coming late, you've been excused from that assignment. So it's also in the simple things. It's in the big things and also the simple things. But one of the exciting things is that, and I, I think for me it's, it's exciting because of the potential is that dross does not finish. We are always on a progressive path of growth until Jesus comes. And to know that dross doesn't finish, is know that there is always a new level because my material would always appear. And that my material will always appear means that there is a new level of emergence for me. So the more I continue to deny myself, the more I continue to heed to the Holy Ghost, obey his instructions to take out this, receive his counsel, enter into the perspective that he has brought for me, the more I continue to emerge. I continue to get better and better and better. Bible says the path of the justice as a shining light. It shines brighter. So you can say that. You see, Ellie, like this is the, the bright test he can get. No, he can still get brighter and brighter and brighter. As long as Jesus has not come, you peep outside the window. As Jesus come, no. We are getting brighter. We are getting better. Just obey the Holy Ghost. And so how does he teach us to mine material and mine our evolution? In Proverbs chapter 25, verse 3, or let's start from verse 2, he says that it is the glory of God to conceal a thing, but the glory of kings to search out a thing. He says, as the heavens are for ice, and the earth is for debt, depths rather, so the hearts and the minds of kings are unsearchable. But what I want to pick out there is heavens for height and earth for depth. So those are the two mining areas. You can mine the heavens for height 
and you can mine the earth for depth. What does the earth for depth speak to? It speaks to portals of revelation. Depth, deep things. The Bible talks about the fact that the Holy Spirit is able to tell us those things that have been given, to, have been freely given to us by God. He says those things are deep things and it only takes the spirit of God to go and search them out. And he then tells the spirit of God in me what those things are. So, and the way you enter into those deep things is through study, study of the word and study of the world. You have to combine both. And it's the way we study the word because I mean, the word of God is already written. But like Pastor Dele has taught us, the Bible says scripture preached to Abraham. So scripture told Abraham that in this particular year that you have found yourself, this is how the revelation of the word interacts with the world that you know to birth this certain emergence in you. So I find myself in Nigeria, for example, and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm, I'm studying the word. And then the Holy Spirit takes that portion of scripture and then Meshes it with what I know in my context as I now. And tells me that now this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. In this season that you're in. It's fulfilled in your hearing right now. Something that was written thousands of years ago. Now becomes animated in my own context. Because I have meshed that study of the world and study of the world. Hallelujah. And one of the ways you continue to go at it is that you continue to be curious. Never be satisfied. One of the scriptures that, you know, just gets me is how the Bible says that on that last day of the feast, you have been eating for days. You know, if you go for a conference and they're just feeding you, feeding you, feeding you, you're, in fact, you want to come home. You, you want to fast after the conference because you have, eaten too, you have eaten too much, so you want to fast. And then Jesus stands up on, on that day after everybody is full. And then he says... Whoever is hungry and thirsty, let him come. Come to where we are no longer hungry. We are full. But people stood up. Why did they stand up? They stood up because there was something else that they were yearning for. And so when we look at the world, the word of God, there is also, the, regardless of the fact that you have finished it pali to pali 60 times, let that be for your record-keeping purposes. You must always be hungry for the word. Because there is something the Holy Spirit is about to weave. There, that, it's only from the word. It can never just appear in the world and say, I want to. No. The word, and Pastor Dele also said this. How that the word of God is left vague for a reason. When God gives us promises, they are, they are vague for a reason. To allow them morph into anything. So they can morph into the guy in Oshun State, transforming him to the president of the world just by a promise. A promise can morph into anything by the interaction of the world and the world. That's how you plunge into depth. That's how we plunge into depth. Take dominion. And so we must stay hungry and stay curious. We must come to the world, come to the world with that curiosity. Hallelujah. The second is the heavens for eyes, for height. And it's the portals of power and possibilities. We cannot just win by, I mean, 
by studying the word of God and the power of God must come together to birth a man or an emerging people the power of God and we press into that place of power through prayer regardless of the kind of power you must pray about everything pray about your job pray about your pray about everything pray about that presentation pray about pray about everything don't just pray spiritual things oh you're not praying church no you are a man of prayer a woman of prayer a woman that wins by prayer a man that wins by prayer I don't know who said this, but he said that someone, I think Director Dami also referenced it on Thursday. He said that someone that fails to pray, someone that is proud. We are proud. If we fail to pray, it means we are proud. Even if it's just you're about to, and you recognize that God, I need to tap into the heavens for height. Right at this moment, help me. I can't do this by myself. When God, you know, called Solomon, and God asked Solomon, what do you want me to give you? Solomon looked at the assignment before him and said, this is a great assignment. How can I lead such a great people? And he told God, I need your help. And help can come in any form. God, I need your help. Those helps are defined in scriptures that we pray about. But there are some times that you don't, you don't know the help that you need. Because you don't know the material that is about to emerge. And so you just pray in tongues. Pastor was saying last week how that, you know, he was telling the church. I mean, Del Excel, we already know. How that we are praying for the church. And we are only praying in, that was the instruction Pastor gave us. We are only praying in tongues. And it's in those moments, because the Bible says in Romans 8, that you don't know how to pray for as you ought. S simply to say that you don't know the kind of person you are morphing into as you pray. So the Holy Spirit then takes all together with you as you pray. And he says he prays for you according to the will of God. So that you now, con you now start to emerge into the person that God has called you to. It will shock you. You yourself, you'll be shocked. So we, we are preparing to get shocked. The dimension of Great, the great that PowerPoint is evolving into. We are going to be shocked. So we, we press into the heavens for height. The way you enter into some places is by pressing into the heavens. Knocking. No man is without the help of the heavens. So I just tell you for free. There is nobody on this earth that is not tapping into the heavens for height. There are three kinds of heavens. There's the first heaven, which is where you find rain, seasons, where seasons and cycles are controlled. The second heaven, I mean, some people say three, some people say seven. I like to believe three because it's more simple. I don't know how to divide the seven. The second is principalities and powers. The third is where our God sits. So when I say no man is, no man is not, no, there is no man that is not knocking on the heavens for height. Some people are knocking on the first and second heaven for height, for their kind of height. But we are knocking on the third heavens for height. And guess what? The third heaven is higher than the two of the heavens. I hope you are getting what I'm, what I'm saying to you. 
there is no man that is not knocking on the heavens for height. So if you think that everybody is just playing on the earth playing, and everybody is just walking on the earth, so all of us, we are together, I'm not praying, and I believe everybody else is not doing anything. You're on your own. Everybody is knocking on heavens for height. So you better knock on the heavens that you, you know and you have come to believe. And the encouragement is that our heaven is higher than every other heaven. So if someone is threatening you with their own height that they've achieved with another heaven, just go to your own heaven and go and knock. To everyone that knocks, the door would be opened. Hallelujah. And the last portal, mining portal, is the interactive portals of realization. Where a man's emergence on the scene of eminence is through furnishing his perspectives and convictions as he interacts with the depths and the heights. So if your prayer and your study of the word doesn't change the way you see the world, there's a problem. You read the Bible. You hear that. You see that, you know, you are, by his stripes, you were already healed. And you pray these things to be, and you still come out and say, I am sick. There's a problem. You've set the earth for depth. You've you've knocked on the heavens for height. And you still come out and you say things that are diametrically opposed to what you've just done. Like Pastor Selassie, there is a problem. So the way you emerge and the way we emerge on the scene of eminence is how those two things interact to change our perspective. That's where God wants us to get to. Where our perspective is changed. When you walk in the space and you know that I am a victor here. I am a victor here because of what I have in me and what has been furnished in me. I am a victor in this office. I am a victor in this marriage. My marriage is only going to get better. I am not going to be part of the statistic that people are saying, 43%, 53%. I don't care. My marriage is only going to get better, sweeter. Hallelujah. So you need to have perspective. And lastly, you need to also take feedback from the environment. You need to take feedback. So you're doing something, get feedback. You've done something the first time, and I'm saying this one in like um, natural relations. You've done something, you have a perspective, you do something, and it doesn't work. Get feedback. That's one of the ways you, you correct yourself and emerge into a better dimension of yourself. It's by, it's by collecting feedback. Remember how um, Elisha sent his servant. He was praying, praying. He went to go and say, oh, yeah, go and check. Oh, okay, the hand has not come. Okay, okay. He, he kept on praying. He kept on praying. So you, 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 you modulate between, you go out and in, out and in, out and in, based on the feedback that you're getting from the environment. Oh, something has happened now. I realized that the way I responded to this means that I don't understand. There's something I don't understand about this thing. So I go for depth, and I go for height. Gain more perspective. Come out again. I am introduced to another scenario. Ah, I don't understand something yet. There's something I don't. I go research. I press for height. I come back out. So the man of God and the woman of God is constantly modulating, getting feedback, collecting feedback, going back. Pressing the earth for depth, pressing the heavens for height, and coming back with perspective, getting feedback. I'm repeating it for a purpose. Getting feedback, go back, press the earth for depth, press the heavens for height, gain perspective, 
go back out again. Again, it goes to the fact that Drush know they finish. So me understanding that Drush know they finish, I have to find something to mine. I'm a miner. I have to always find something to mine. Hallelujah. So let's revisit the conclusions again. God only creates material great people and masterpieces. And to accept that God is the creator of all men is to accept that fact about every man. Every man is a masterpiece in progress and they were created so and so they are going there. We just all have different timelines. And the last is that we must all also appreciate that about ourselves. That I was created a masterpiece. You were created a masterpiece. I was, we were created so and so we are going there. Our current environmental context is just a glide path to our glory. And we are on a glide path of progress and our evolution is just a dross away. Hallelujah. Were you blessed? Let's please rise up and pray. And I want you to pray for two things. The first thing I want you to pray for is, or the two things I want us to pray for are those, number one, is to be able to see people the way God sees them. It's easy to just immediately assume that because this person is like this, let me, let me interact with this person at the level that they are. And the person will never even fault you. You know, people that if, you, if they, they will call you auntie, auntie, even say, don't call me auntie, be like, ah, yeah, kilo one bear, let me call. The person might not even fault you for the way you are interacting with them at that level. But you know why you are interacting with them at that level. So just pray to God that God give me the grace to see people the way you see them. It's a different kind of sight. And the second thing we're praying for is that Holy Spirit partner with me to remove the dross in my life. Partner with or put me on a progressive path where I am identifying dross, removing it, so that the material in my life that you have put in my life can appear. The colors that you have installed in me when you created me, when you knew me before the world began, and you ordained me as a prophet to the nations. Let those things begin to appear, Holy Spirit. If there is any time or any way in the past that I've sort of silenced your voice and told you that, see, this, this particular area of my life, don't touch it. Don't come here. Do any other thing. Talk to me about any other thing. But Holy Spirit, let's leave this one. Holy Spirit, I'm taking off that, um, that barrier right now. I am lifting it off. I am allowing you gain entrance into every area of my life. And I ask you, help me open my eyes to see the dross. Open my eyes to expunge it in the name of Jesus. Makosi kalabrakato shalebade andas eleka raketa ekalabo shatala bo shalabo shata elebroko shataya galabo shatala bo shat mandele rokotoza elibroko shataya jebe lebre susele kanda libragadoja mandele po shikaya galabo shat mele karata kaya kuzagaya galadasha mandele frotoza mandele proko shatala bo shalabaha leka barika 
la kaya kasita ya gala shata e milo jegele broko shude e kalabasha e malika rakati zibele brokosha in our lives the word of god is elevated matevuja ifoji alabosha is gaining prevalence in the name of jesus arupo kosha anta e jebele bregado shalabosha e bile brokosha taya is furnishing us with perspectives in the name of jesus my Asia, every as the word of God is elevated in our heart, in the name of Jesus, we are furnished with strength, strength to press, strength to emerge, strength to evolve, we are being transformed, transformed, as we behold the mirror of God's word, by the action and agency of the spirit, we are being changed into that same image, from glory to glory, even as by the power of the Lord, in the name of Jesus. Maleko Ratakaya, Imato Falazi, Elebrekilagata, Ezebalosha, Ezebalosha, Enatea de Akalabosha, Emelefore de Akala, Emoshataya Galabosha Talabosha. In Jesus' mighty name, we've prayed. We come from perfection. And we're going to perfection by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the partnership with the word in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you so much. We can have our first. Wow, what a word. For more messages, connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.